invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We want to look at verses 14 through uh, 17 this evening. Arm yourselves for spiritual warfare part 2 is what I've titled the message here tonight. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Now minister to our hearts as we study together this really all-important section on spiritual warfare. Help us to glean from the text that which you would have us to see and, and uh, strengthen us in our, in our walk uh, with you as we study together. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Well, I tried to make it bigger. It doesn't look like it, though, does it? I don't know what the deal is. It's, it's resistant to... Uh... In two weeks, it'll be bigger. It'll be bigger in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're in Ephesians, the church, and we have positional truth in the first uh, three chapters, emphasizing our union with Christ, our union with each other, which is the essence of the church. Practical truth, how we should walk in unity, holiness, love, light, wisdom. Uh, strong emphasis on submission under wisdom, and then uh, concluding the book really before he signs off with this this uh, emphasis on spiritual warfare. Now we note there are three key passages on spiritual warfare in the New Testament, as found here in Ephesians chapter six, in James chapter four, and also in First Peter chapter five. This, however, is the strongest passage we have in the New Testament on the topic of spiritual. Warfare, And we find here that uh, we are in a defensive posture. Um, the Bible doesn't say attack the devil. It says stand your ground. Three times we have that stated in our, in our text here. So uh, we are to stand our ground. The provision is of God. God has provided. Uh, we stand in the power of his might. Uh, we put on the armor of God. And uh, we are to put on the whole armor. God provides the armor, but we must put it on, right? There's the emphasis. There's some human responsibility involved here. Uh, God's provision, and yet we must put it on. Tonight, we are looking specifically at what the armor is. What's the equipment that God has provided for us? And so we note, uh, when we start with the belt of truth, and uh, well, we could work our way down from the top, it kind of works the other way, because the the helmet was the last thing that the, the warrior actually put on. But helmet of salvation, uh, breastplate of righteousness, uh, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, sword of the spirit. Um, so uh, we forgot the shoes, the shoes of peace. So, yeah, don't want to forget those shoes. They're very important, as we will see tonight. All right, uh, let's have somebody read. We'll just break it down one verse at a time. Somebody want to read uh, verse 14 for us? Okay, Leanne. Stand therefore having your legs girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, thank you. So it's a, a present tense uh, command here. It's urgent. It's an imperative. And again, this idea of standing is found three times in verse 11, 13, and 14. And the idea is, is when we are under attack, and that's the idea, when we are under attack, uh, we should not retreat. We should stand our ground. Stand our ground in the spiritual war. And so uh, we need to have on the whole armor of God enable for us to uh, stand when we are in the spiritual battle. Stand, therefore, he says, having girded your waist with truth. Uh, girding your waist is, is the idea of putting on a belt or perhaps a, a girdle, a pretty thick belt in this case. But uh, putting on uh, the belt of truth. It's the first thing that the soldier would put on. 
and it was made of uh, leather, and everything was connected to it. It, it kind of held everything else in place as, fest, as far as the rest of the, of the armor. So it was very central and very important. Uh, when entering into battle, the soldier would put uh, the edges of his tunic inside the belt so that nothing would hinder him and so that he would have freedom of movement. Uh, his breastplate was also fastened to this belt to keep it in place. And also the sheath for the sword was fastened to it. So this belt securely kind of kept everything in place. It was, you know, the first thing it was put on and it kind of held everything in place. Now notice he talks about this belt having girded your waist with truth. Metaphorically, he's applying this to truth. It's like you're putting on the belt of truth. And when he's talking about this... All the way through here, he's really talking about sanctification in terms of our walk. Uh, he's talking about our practice. And so when he's talking about truth here, uh, you know, he has uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word. So I don't think he's talking about uh, the word. He's talking about a character trait here. I think the character uh, trait of truth is to define us. That's to be the armor that we have on, our, our integrity, our honesty. Uh, that is what is to uh, characterize us. And you know, truth keeps everything in alignment in our lives. As you walk in truth, it, it just keeps everything where it ought to be. And it's, it's the centerpiece of, of the armor here. So uh, if, if a person is living a double life, uh, boy, they are going to probably go down in the spiritual warfare. Uh, but uh, we want to have, uh, you know, the belt of truth on, meaning we're walking in truth. We're walking in integrity, uh, honestly, not living a double life. Uh, stand, therefore, having your waist, uh, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the Roman soldier would have a breastplate on, as, as we noted there, and it would be made of either bronze or, or metal. And uh, it, was, it covered the chest, the lungs, and uh, the heart, the, the, vital, the vitals of the body. Of course, lots of vitals here. <laughs> but uh, certainly the, the main part of the body there. And uh, when he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, again, I think he's talking about our practical walk. He's not talking about imputed righteousness. We don't have to put that on. That's already in place. Uh, that relates to positional truth that we have in Jesus Christ. We have imputed righteousness. At the moment of saving faith, uh, we are counted righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of anything we have done. It's just imputed to our account. Christ gets all of our sin. We get all of his righteousness. That's imputed righteousness. I think he's talking about practical righteousness here, the righteousness of character, uh, rightness in our walk, holy living. So he's talking about a, a lifestyle of really guarding your heart. That's really what we're talking about. I think I really would see kind of a cross reference here uh, to the Old Testament in Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Um, that's kind of the idea here of having on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding what's, what's going on in terms of uh, a right walk uh, before God. And, and symbolically, it seems to fit well as it's, it's over the heart here. So the breastplate of righteousness. So... Have on the belt of truth, walking in integrity, and uh, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, where uh, we are walking as a lifestyle, uh, guarding our heart in terms of righteousness. Any other thoughts? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, kind of question, staying at the same time. <clears throat>
Sure, I, I certainly think you can make a lot of application there. And uh, sure, you want to uh, have that in check, especially if you're going into war. You don't want to be out of control as far as even your emotions and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of symbolism here, and I think we can make a lot of application. But the main thing here, I think, is righteousness. It's a moral quality. Uh, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. So, um, rightness, you know, walking in rightness in, in your life. No known sin in your life, really. Kind of living with, you know, with, you know 1 John 1, 9. You know, be, keeping short accounts uh, with the Lord here. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay, let's have somebody read uh, the next verse. Verse 15. Who wants to read that? Yeah, Marianne? Okay, this is an interesting verse. Um, <clears throat> the idea of having shod your feet uh, is, uh, shod means to bind or to fasten under. It's the idea of putting on shoes, uh, putting on your army boots. Uh, put on your army boots is the idea here. Uh, and of course, these army shoes or army boots would have cleats so that you, would, you, were, you weren't moving. Uh, you're going to stand your ground here. Uh, you're not moving anywhere with those with those army boots on. It's in the middle voice, which would emphasize personal responsibility here. So again, uh, this is uh, what we need to do. Uh, God provides the armor, but we need to put it on. Uh, having shod your feet, and then it's interesting what he says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The idea here is in putting on your... Uh, gospel shoes, as you, as it were, uh, you are preparing yourself for action. Uh, you're getting ready. Note that word preparation. Uh, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I honestly think the commentators are a little weak on this word preparation. Uh, I think it's a very significant word because, um, the word gospel means good news, and it's a good news of peace. And it's interesting, though, in this message of peace that we're bringing, we're involved in a battle. Isn't that kind of ironic? Uh, it's, we have a good news of peace, and yet we're involved in a, in a battle over that message. And uh, there is a, a, a vertical and there's a horizontal uh, reality here. Uh, note here, in one thirteen, the gospel is the good news of personal salvation. But in three six, it's the good news of union of both Jews and Gentiles in one body. In 2.14 through 17, we see the dual emphasis that Jesus has brought peace both vertically between God and mankind and also horizontally between Jew and Gentile. So I think there's a lot of uh, things involved here again. He's speaking metaphorically all the way through here. Lots of application. But uh, as I think about the gospel of peace, there's a lot of ramifications. Uh, it's, if you're involved in spiritual warfare, it's good to know, hey, things are right between me and God because of the gospel. I mean, when, you, when you're involved in a real struggle, you can begin to doubt lots of things. And so that's very important to know, hey, there's peace between me and God. But also uh, in the battles and the struggles, you know what? There's people that get involved here. And as fellow believers, we're not at war with one another, right? We saw this last time. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So it's good to remember, hey, we're on the same side here, guys. <laughs> You're not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. Uh, we're on the same side here. 
But I also think there's a, there's a gospel emphasis here in relationship to the lost. You know, in the battle, in the spiritual war that we're involved in, ultimately souls are involved here. And we have the message of peace. That's, that's what we're bringing. And in that battle, we need to be ready. Note that word preparation again. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to be ready. Um, yeah, 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. To give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I want to kind of camp on that idea of being ready. Uh, you know, as, as we think about spiritual warfare, I do think sharing the gospel comes in here in a big way. And, and it's, it's going to be a battle. Now, another aspect here, as I say, is this, uh, this personal, uh, personal peace uh, that is sourced in the gospel. Relationship to ourselves, relationship to others. Um, in the midst of the battle, we are tempted to think uh, that there is something wrong between us and God. We may be tempted to question our relationship with God. Uh, Job's friends really tried to drive that point home, right? I might be tempted to think that God is really against me. Maybe I'm really an enemy of God. I mean, how come things are going so terrible? In contrast, the gospel of peace says that because of my faith in Jesus, I am now at peace with God. Keep those shoes on. No matter how turbulent the spiritual struggle may be, Things are well between me and God because of the gospel of peace. You're going to stand your ground in that. You're not going to move off that. Make sure you keep those, those gospel shoes on. Uh, so uh, to summarize kind of a number of nuances here, a sure-footed stand on the gospel of peace involves one, recognition of right relationship with God, vertical. Two, recognition of right relationship with each other, horizontal. And three, a preparedness to share the gospel in the, in the war for the truth. So I think all three of those nuances or applications kind of enter in here, as far, certainly as far as the application. All right. Any other thoughts here? Yes, Andrew. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I, I guess I think it maybe comes down to your conscience entering in here. If, if you know, I, honestly, when I've been under discipline, I knew things weren't quite right. Uh, I often have told the story about, you know, we were just married, wasn't too long, and Janie and I had a fight. I know it was probably all me. And actually, I think it was. <laughs> But I went out and I had, a, you know, my carpet cleaning equipment and somehow I ended up kind of smashing my finger out there. I knew instantly, okay, God, you got my attention. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think um, when you, if you're a believer and there is this conviction of the Holy Spirit, grieve not the Holy Spirit, you know what the Bible says. Uh, so, um, but I think if, you're, if your conscience is clear... Uh, and I think sometimes you wonder, you know, your heart's so deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. But 
part of my faith walk in recent years has been, God, as far as I know in my soul, I don't know of any known sin in my heart. And if there is something there, God, you're big enough to show it to me, and I trust you to do that. And having done that, then I think you can say, boy, this is spiritual warfare, and uh, I don't know why this is happening. Just like Job didn't know why this was happening. I mean, he's declaring his innocence. Job is saying, I don't know anything here. I don't have anything on myself. And so uh, I think you just got to kind of walk in faith depending on the Holy Spirit to show you if there's something. If you're sincere before God, he'll show you. If you need to see something, he'll show you. You can trust him with that. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Okay. Very good. In a way, what you're saying, self-examination has to be in place. Yeah. What am I? For sure. Yeah. And I even gleaned from Andrew's question a sincerity of wanting to know, sure. you know. So, I mean, people are playing games that, you know, you can kind of deceive yourself all kinds of different ways. But, but I think if you have a, a, a right heart, you're sincerely wanting to be right with God. Um, when, when bad things are happening, I don't think you need to be walking around and say, well, I'm under discipline for sin. Um, I think that kind of becomes evident. So, Yeah. All right, that's good, though. Thanks for the question. All right, let's have somebody read verse 16. Who wants to read verse 16 for us? Yeah, Jay? In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. Okay, what translation you got? That's good. That's a very literal. That's a very literal translation there. That's good. Uh, you know, my uh, New King James says "above all," which would, you know, sometimes people take it as this is the most important thing. But that's not really what he's saying. He's saying, in addition, like your translation said, in addition to all. In other words, in addition to everything else he has said, uh, also make sure you got the shield of faith in place. Um, have on the whole armor, as he has emphasized. Above all, taking the shield of faith uh, with which you will be able to quench some, no, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, the shield, the word shield literally means door because the, the, uh, a shield looked like a small door. It's about, you know, four feet high and about two and a half feet wide. So it looked like a small door. Uh, it was a, a shield. Uh, to protect, you know, if people are shooting arrows at you or they're trying to jab you with a sword or whatever it is, you've got a shield uh, to protect yourself. Uh, this uh, shield tended to be a wood that had leather over it with metal casing around the outside. And as they went out to war, uh, they would soak the shields in water. That'd probably make them pretty heavy, I would think. But it would be effective in terms of fiery arrows, because lots of times they would have arrows that they put on fire and they'd shoot at you. And so that's why they, that's why they did that. Well, metaphorically, it is applied to faith. It is applied to faith. And even more literally, the faith. The faith. Uh, taking the shield of the faith. In other words, the word of God, the promises, uh, uh, what we have in the scriptures. Uh, the shield of the scriptures is, is the idea here. Uh, you protect yourself with the scriptures. You protect yourself with the word, with the promises of God. Taking the shield of the faith. And he says, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Uh, fiery darts. 
uh, darts are pointed things. Uh, could be, uh, you know, arrows, could be a, a sword, uh, a spear, whatever. Uh, darts is literally uh, pointed, pointed weapons. Anything that's swiftly darting. And uh, again, uh, note uh, on the overhead here. If you are in the war, you are going to get shot at. The object is uh, not to get hit. Satan is trying to kill our spiritual lives, in effect, in that he is trying to destroy our testimony. He constantly tries to get us to doubt God and walk in unbelief. He constantly seeks to mislead us by getting us to question God, challenge God, or otherwise not believe God. We constantly have to come back to trusting in God. That takes the fire out of the devil's arrows. Uh, this, this is what it comes back to. It comes back to the faith. And uh, it's through uh, the faith, it's through the scriptures that we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I think it's good to ask ourselves in the middle of the struggle, am I trusting God in this situation? Whatever it is I'm going through, am I trusting God? Uh, am I applying the scripture to this? There is scripture that does apply. Uh, if you lack wisdom, you ask God, what is wisdom? Well, it's applying godly principles to the struggle so that I might live a godly life. Uh, we can quench all those fiery darts of the wicked one through reliance upon uh, the word of God. Notice uh, it says uh, uh, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We don't have to wonder who's uh, shooting at us, right? It's the wicked one, it's, uh, which is uh, the devil, the vile one, the wicked one. Uh, that's who our, our war is with. All right. Yes. Yeah. But it seems that we are going to get hit. Well, at least the shield, maybe, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to get hit, yeah. but we will, faith will be able to quench that. So, you know, Satan doesn't have a, a chance. Yeah. If, if we really. Well, I think as we keep the shield in place, you know, that's the idea to protect uh, from the darts with the shield. Yeah. So keep, keep the faith in place and you'll be fine. Yeah. You take this shield down. Uh-oh. I, got an, I just took an arrow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Yes, Andrew. Sorry. How did that work? I'm, I'm kind of confused because I don't know. That didn't really work out for Job super well. I mean, a man of God who, I mean, yes, he had struggles. But he, I mean, it seems like he got hit pretty hard. I don't know how those how he balanced he did get hit pretty hard. Um, you know, it's interesting, Job. Job was probably the oldest book in, in the Bible. And uh, we have an advantage over Job, I think, in some ways. We have, all the, we have the completed revelation of God. We are under the new covenant. You know, he was before any covenant. And, and so I think, you know, when you look at Job, it, really it's the grace of God that saw him through as well. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I mean, he still had his faith. God was still, you know. You know, and even though he lost all of his children, he lost everything. He didn't lose his wife. She was still with him. There was still a, some grace there. Um, so, yeah, he did. He did take it hard. Um, you're right about that. And yet... I think Job came through it, and in the end, God blessed him with twice as much as he had before it all started. Well, that's right. 
As I think so, and even his children, even though he lost, I think he got twice as much of everything, but he lost 10 children, and he got 10 more, but I don't think he lost those 10 other ones either. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Somebody else? Yes, Michael. Yeah. It's not protecting us from physical physical damage. It's protecting us from having our testimony destroyed. Ultimately, that God will be more glorified, even potentially in death or suffering. Well, amen, brother. That is so good. And you talk about spiritual warfare. I mean, that's what Job was all about. And yet at the end of the day, Job did come through preserved to the glory of God. Uh, you know, God was the winner, not the devil in that situation with, it, with his servant Job there. So, yeah, think in terms of spiritual realities, ultimately, not just physical ones. That's, that's a great point. You know, this is about our character, our testimony. Right. Yep. It's not about my God. That's right. Amen. That's right. Kurt? That's right. We have the spirit, praying the spirit. So how do we stand firm? How do we have this? It's because of the spirit. The spirit is convicting us of sin. We get right with him. We get right with God. And we rely on that. Yes. Yes, indeed. Amen. It is interesting, you know, we talk about uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, the place of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is interesting to bring up Job, because, you know, I don't know that Job was in the same place as we are in relationship to the Holy Spirit. There are tremendous advantages that we have under the new covenant. There's an intimacy with God that was never, you know, in place. I mean, there was some of it as far as some of the prophets did have the Holy Spirit and so forth but as far as the intimacy that we have uh, with God under the new covenant just as far as the whole people of God uh, unparalleled in terms of, of, of pre uh, pre new covenant so anyway yeah good thoughts uh, everyone there okay uh, we are not actually going to get to verse 18 tonight but we are going to get through verse 17 so let's uh, let's have somebody uh, read verse 17 to finish us out here who wants to read that yeah, Vince. 17. Yeah. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay. So again, the, the helmet was the last thing that was put on. Take the helmet of salvation. Uh, it was a, a thick leather uh, helmet. Uh, it was padded inside. Had some metal plates around it. You know, up on top and on the sides. And so it was uh, was quite the helmet. And of course, uh, it was uh, the idea was to protect uh, the head from a fatal blow. Right? Uh, you talk about vital organs. Uh, you definitely don't want to lose the head. <laughs> but I think metaphorically, what's pictured here in our in our spiritual battle with Satan, metaphorically, I think the idea is protecting the mind, protecting our mind. And that's where the battle largely rages, is in the mind. So you want to keep that, that, that helmet on. Uh, the helmet would protect the head from a, a damaging or fatal blow. In terms of analogy related to the spiritual battle, the helmet protects the mind. 
The devil constantly takes aim at our mind. He loves mind games, especially in relationship to our salvation. He constantly seeks to get us to doubt our salvation. Doubt and discouragement are his weapons. The issue here is assurance. And so I think we are, you know, he specifically says, take the helmet of salvation. Put on that helmet that's going to protect your mind as far as the reality of your salvation as a believer. I mean, if you begin to doubt your salvation, that really messes with you in a big way as far as your spiritual walk. And as a new believer, I wrestled with this terribly. And I think it's a pretty common malady where people wrestle with doubting their salvation. I was reading along, you know, as a new believer, I came to the unforgivable sin and I thought, sure as a world, that one I've done. (laughs) I'm sure some of you've had that type of experience too. Uh, Take the helmet of salvation. Uh, The truth of salvation is threefold. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. I mean, it is finished. There's nothing to be added to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, We owe it all to him. What a wonderful truth. Uh, Put that helmet of salvation on. I mean, you're not paying for your sin. If if you were, you would never have any assurance. And then uh, we are being saved from the power of sin. Uh, The cross also broke the power of sin, and we can walk in the good of that. Uh, put on that helmet. We don't, we don't have to be under the, influence, uh, under the power of, of sin. And then one day we will be saved from the very presence of sin. On all three fronts, Satan attacks us and we need to constantly guard our minds with the truth of salvation, past, present, and future. So keep that, keep that helmet on, the helmet of salvation. And then he says, and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. We are not left wondering what he's talking about in relationship to the sword of the spirit. This is the only offensive weapon that is mentioned, the the sword of the spirit. Now, I say it's the only offensive weapon that's mentioned, but you know, honestly, uh, you can use a sword in a very defensive way too, which would be be consistent with everything else that he has mentioned here. And so... uh, you know, perhaps uh, in the flow here, uh, the emphasis is uh, defensive, although sword can be either offensive or defensive weapon. But note, uh, the sword of the spirit is, which is the word of God. Uh, the sword of the spirit is not human wisdom. I mean, you're in a battle with the devil. You bring your human wisdom. Uh, good luck on that. And I don't even believe in luck. So you're out of luck. It's not going to work. Uh, you don't bring uh, philosophy. Uh, you don't, you know, bring worldly wisdom, human wisdom. No, uh, you don't. You don't bring, uh, you know, that to the to the battle here. Uh, you better bring your sword. You better have the sword with you, uh, which is the word of God. And I would see here, uh, you know, this is the only uh, offensive slash defensive weapon that's mentioned here. And I I love the truth of the all-sufficiency of Scripture. It's one of the things I've championed in my ministry. And I love 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 in this regard. Uh, It's everything you need in terms of your spiritual life here. Uh, From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the Scriptures, able to show you what you need to know for salvation, bring you to the point of salvation, which is through faith in Christ. That's salvation. But here is sanctification and service. All scripture is given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Anything left out there? 
No. Uh, the all-sufficiency of Scripture, everything we need related to salvation, sanctification, and service, that we are complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, the Scripture is all we need. In spiritual warfare, matters of spiritual warfare, we're not lacking anything. And constantly, we're kind of, you know, told, you know, well, you, that's not quite sufficient. Just, just the Bible. Some people mock just the Bible. You're just emphasizing just the Bible. We need more than that. Come on, we've got real-life problems. Yeah, God's got real-life answers uh, in the Word of God. Uh, bring the sword, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's part of the armor here. That's part of the uh, being ready for the battle here. So... Uh, the context here, again, uh, is defensively. We need to stand our ground with the sword. The uh, sword here is a, it's not the large sword. It's, it's a small two-edged uh, sword that would be used in hand-to-hand combat, 6 to 18 inches uh, long. So it's, it's not the large one that you would swing indiscriminately, but it's the small one that you would use with great precision uh, in a hand-to-hand fight. And so that's the idea. You don't want to, you want to use the word of God accurately. Uh, if you're having a problem with lust, you probably don't want to say, well, I'm quoting he who would have friends must make himself friendly. Uh, that's the verse to use in that occasion. Uh, probably not. Maybe flee. Something about fleeing immorality. Uh, you know, use the word of God with, with precision. And notice it's the sword of the spirit. Say, what's well, my sword? No, it's the sword of the Spirit. Now, now, you are using it, but it's interesting. We have that interesting combination again between uh, human responsibility as far as uh, taking the sword, and yet it's the sword of the Spirit. Uh, there's human response and responsibility involved, and yet it's the Spirit who does the work through the Word of God. And if the Spirit doesn't do the work through the Word, we're in big trouble. It's the Spirit who's at work through the Word. And so that's key. Um, Some people have pet verses and can quote them by rote with little or no thought for the context. I doubt the devil trembles much at that. For example, some people quote the Lord's Prayer but have no clue what they are really saying. Jesus told us not to pray with vain repetition but rather uh, with thoughtful prayers. So also in the matter of spiritual warfare, we need to quote Scripture intelligently in ways that are effective and relevant. And I would say with precision, just as you would with a small sword, with a a little uh, hand sword uh, that you're going to use with precision in an intense battle, a hand-to-hand battle. And uh, note uh, here also, as you think about this, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I think about when the devil came uh, and was tempting Christ. You know what Christ three times said, Matthew chapter 4, it is written, it is written, it is written. Three times he quoted out of Deuteronomy with great precision in terms of what was called for in terms of that specific temptation. Uh, There's the pattern right there. All right, and... uh, When it says the word, which is the word of God, the word here, the word word is rhema, which refers to uh, the spoken word related to a specific text. Again, uh, the precise use of scripture in spiritual warfare. Well, as we wrap up here tonight, uh, note uh, again the, uh, the six pieces of armor here. Uh, the armor of God. You got the belt of truth, uh, you know, related to truth in your life, integrity, breastplate of righteousness, 
uh, right living, holy living, uh, the shoes of, of peace, gospel, the, 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 the peace of the gospel and the position that we have in Christ because of this. Uh, the shield of faith, uh, holding to the truth of the scriptures. The helmet of salvation, uh, protecting our mind with the truth of salvation. And, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You keep all of this in place, that whole armor. And, and you know what he said there last time? He says, verse 13, we picked it up tonight at verse 14, but verse 13. Uh, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. As you are applying these six parts of the armor of God, if you consistently do that, uh, you will be able to stand in the evil day when the devil throws everything at you. And there's going to be those evil days when he throws all he's got at you. And boy, believe me, when you have a Job-like experience like that, it is not very pleasant. And uh, really, it's, it's, it's miserable sometimes. Sometimes you hang on in the, in the midst of the war and you, and you stand your ground. Uh, don't retreat. You just keep standing. That's what he says to do. But as we do so, the promise is, as we take up the whole armor, that we will be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's the promise that we have there. All right, uh, just one final comment before I open it up to you. The devil doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair. You get tired, you get weary in the battle. You want to quit. I understand all of that. We've, we've all been there. But uh, as a lifestyle, we want to be dressed for war. We want to have our battle dress on. Because every day you get up in the morning, guess who beats you up? The devil. No pun intended on beat you up. Uh, who got up before you did? <laughs> the devil. He's there to meet you. He's there to meet you right at the beginning. And again, he doesn't take a day off and he doesn't fight fair. You got to keep the battle uh, dress on. You got to be prepared for the battle. It is a battle, and it's a battle to the pearly gates. It doesn't get any easier. Uh, you know, you'd like to think, well, boy, I'm, I'm spiritually mature now. We're going to coast. Oh, boy, that, that's a problem. There's no coasting in the war. Uh, there's no taking it easy, saying, well, boy, uh, things are going to lighten up here. No, 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 no. The devil's always waiting for, you know, the wiles of the devil, the strategies, the methods of the devil. He's always waiting for just the right opportunity when he pounce and say, boy, I got you now. Got to stay dressed. Stay dressed all the time. Don't let any area of compromise in our life. Don't let our guard down. Don't let the armor down. All right. Any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Yeah, Michael. Soldier caught out by yourself. You're all supposed to be together. 
That is such an excellent point. I wish I would have made it. <laughs> that is such a great point, especially in relationship to the whole book, which is about the church. Uh, that's such an excellent point, Michael. I'm going to give you an A-plus off the charts. That, that is such a great point. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make sure everything's in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so good. Yeah, we are not in this alone. Uh, we are the body of Christ. That's the whole emphasis here. As far as the church, we just got... It's, it's a perfect thing to cap off here as far as the practical section of the book related to the gifts and related to body life and all the things that has been mentioned. So that's, that is an excellent point. Yes, Marianne. I agree. <laughs> in my mind, okay, so this week, I got a new memory verse that I was supposed to memorize, and I'm going to read it to you. It's 1 Timothy... Uh, see, I haven't memorized it yet. 4, 7, 4, 7. They have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit, for, fit only for old women. <laughs> On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Mm. And so, yes, we are together as a body, but we do need to Sure. And there's a balance there. I mean, we have the body and yet there's personal responsibility within. Sure. And uh, there's just a lot of things that relate to your personal life that nobody can go there with you totally. I mean, you know, day in and day out. Uh, I don't go to work with you and you're not with me most of the time. So, so both, there's both aspects. Yeah, it's good. Yes. Yeah, Thank you. it's a gift. If you, if you keep going in the scripture too, that's what he talks about, the body, and that we may encourage your heart. So it's, he doesn't just stop at, you know, when we pray and we're in the spirit. So we are supposed to be together. Sure. You know, and, and that's because that's how it ends. The whole book is about the body and what's happening, and I want to come to you and all those things. And before I'd always, you know, like, oh, well, these aren't important. They're, yes. Yeah. Amen. That's good. And, and I think, you know, we even go there. Uh, we stopped at verse 17, which is kind of mid-thought there a little. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, I mean, there is that emphasis as we go on to the next verse even. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's excellent. Any other thoughts here as we wrap up here? Yes, Tom. It's all what? Defensive. Uh-huh. To stand. Yeah. Um, so let's just veg and make sure that, God, that the devil doesn't get us until we get to the kingdom, right? Well, <laughs> um, the last thing Christ said was, go therefore. Yeah. Right? So our, our, the soldiers are marching to Zion. Okay, so we're moving forward. We're not just standing. Mm-hmm. We're moving forward. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. Believers aren't moving forward, and they're just getting the mindset that they're just standing and fighting off fiery darts. I don't think that the, they're in the right place. They don't have the mindset that they're moving forward with the gospel. 
Yeah, as you consider the whole counsel of God, I mean, you're right. Uh, the emphasis here, I think, is when you're under attack, you know, like he's talked about in verse 13 there again, uh, take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So I think he's really talking about when you are under attack. Uh, and, and, and my thing is, you know, we talk about these people, especially charismatics who are out here, you know, kind of almost like they're attacking demons and going after the devil. That's really not the emphasis. It's like, you don't have to worry about finding the battle. It will find you. And uh, what do you do in that situation? Take your stand, you know. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that the attack will naturally come. As right. That's part of it as you're moving forward. Sure. We do. Right. Uh, we, we have a walk, right? That's what you're talking about. We don't just have a stand. We have a walk. And I mean, that's the emphasis earlier in chapter four and so forth, uh, to walk in love and so forth. So, yeah, we are moving forward uh, for, for the cause of Christ, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like what you said earlier, you know, the stand doesn't mean stop moving forward. Right. It means don't lose the ground that you have won. Well, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm under attack, so I stop. No, you... You're under attack and you continue in the faith. You continue to in the ministry. You continue with whatever you're doing. Yeah. You continue. You don't, you don't lose ground. There you go. <clears throat> Amen. Don't You don't want to lose ground. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's the emphasis here. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, and we're all in agreement there for sure. Absolutely. Uh, we're finishing other people's thoughts. We're reading other people's minds. We are a gifted class here. All right. Anyone else? Okay, let's share some prayer requests. Uh, you got